0: I welcome you here in the name of Jesus Christ and I want to give you a special welcome if you are a visitor or if you feel new here, special welcome to you. We're here to be reminded of the truth and encouraged to live it out and we're also here to learn. And I was thinking, hey, it's almost time for the new school year. Maybe we'll learn a new song. Well, it might not be new to all of you, but we'll teach you a song, and for some of you, it'll be new. It's uh, a song that we'll play once for you, and then we'll sing it three times. And each time we sing it, it'll get faster.
1: clap your, your hands all you people go with with of of O'seno, O'seno, O'seno. shout unto God, go God, go go God with the voice of praise Hosanna Hosanna shout unto God with the voice of triumph praise him praise him shout unto God with the voice of praise clap your hands, hands oh you people shout unto God with the voice of triumph clap your hands oh you people shout unto God with the voice of praise Hosanna God Learned with a voice of, of praise, praise, him. praise Him. Praise Him. Shout to God, the
0: God with a voice of, of praise. God. Good job. Let's pray. Great God in heaven, we acknowledge your presence with us today. We look at your creation and we say thank you for making a beautiful world. We also thank you for being to us not just a distant maker of things, but also a loving Father and a God who came to us in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. And thank you that you did not leave us as orphans, Jesus, but sent your Holy Spirit to be in us and among us. So we acknowledge your presence and offer back to you our thanksgiving and our praise. Amen. Read with us the call to worship, which will be on the screen from Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy.
2: For the Lord Most High is awesome, the great King over all the earth.
0: God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord amid the sounding of trumpets.
2: Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises.
0: For God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise.
1: God
2: God reigns reigns over over the the nations. God God is seated on his holy throne.
0: We're going to sing praise to God who reigns above, which is song number six in your book. We'll sing verses one and three, and then verse four a little slower. Please stand if you're able. Pray Oh God, we see your greatness, your power, your goodness, and we acknowledge that we ourselves are not that way. We have seen in ourselves selfishness and meanness or simply apathy. We don't care as much about you or other people as we ought to. And so we acknowledge that we have need of your forgiveness, need of your power. And we thank you that you put before our eyes the cross, that we may see your love and your forgiveness demonstrated. And so we receive that, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Let's sing number 185, just the first two verses. value to God is shown by the death of Jesus. He treasures you. He wants to build you up. While your sins separated you from the Father, now they have been paid for and you have been brought near. How deep the Father's love for us.
2: reading today is from Mark 11 verses 20 to 26. In the morning as they went along, they saw a fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that, they will, that it will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins.
0: So it's announcement time. And... I've got a number that I'm going to highlight. And if you have one that you need to make, uh, you can wave for a microphone. I'm going to start with an announcement about next Sunday, and we'll work our way back. (laughs) Next Sunday, if I'm correct, we are starting with Children's Church, not next Sunday. That's two Sundays from now, just like I said. We're starting way out there and working our way back. Okay, so two Sundays from now, that's September 11th. Okay, so that'll be the start of Children's Church, and that happens during the service. Now, I have an announcement about tonight. So does anybody have something in between two weeks from now and tonight? All right. Tonight, a get-together at the Gunthers. Lyndon and Dakota are, are hosting tonight. And they're happy to have us all, but if you want to sit down, you'll have to bring your own lawn chair. So plan for that. Bring your chairs for tonight to Linden and Dakotas. And the other thing that's for today is notes for Travis and Rosie. If you want to send a word of encouragement to our missionaries in Paraguay, or maybe a little bag of gummy bears or something like that you can put it in the shoebox after the service and we'll get it to them Uh, the reason why today is the day is because today we get to see uh, my brother Rolf who's going to be packing it up and taking it along in a couple weeks actually it's not a couple weeks it's like a week and a half from now and Evelyn will be going as well so if you do have a really last minute thing to send to Travis and Rosie you could give it to Evelyn then let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, for being our Savior and also for being our advocate, for interceding for us with the Father. And Holy Spirit, thank you for your interceding as well, even when we don't have the words. You, you know what we need, and you, you provide all good things that we need. We thank you today for progress in our process for calling deacons. We thank you for the willingness of Gordon Christine to serve in that way and for the opportunity we have to discern and affirm in the weeks to come. We thank you for the ways that you've helped Travis and Rosie be faithful where they are in speaking your word and loving those around them. And we thank you for the opportunities you give us to be faithful in our relationships and also in our service to you. Thank you for the start of Children's Church coming up and all the other ways that we get to serve this fall as different programs begin. And we pray for your blessing for all of those, Sunday school, as well as kids club and we thank you for the opportunity also to go out and to serve elsewhere and we as a congregation send out with our blessing those students who are moving perhaps to university or college for Emily to Australia to work on a farm we also send out with blessing Betty as she goes to Saskatchewan. And we send out with blessing Evelyn with the Paraguay prayer team next Monday. We thank you that you are with all of them as they go and that they are in our hearts as well so that we can remember them in prayer. And for those who are not going far but are starting on something new very soon, our teachers and our school staff, our students, We pray that you would give them what they need to thrive as well. And we pray for health. We pray for the health of Russell and Shannon's household and for others that we're thinking of now. Thank you, Jesus, that you are at work in their lives and in ours. We give you praise and glory. Amen. And now we get to invite Lyndon to come preach. Looking forward to hearing the word through you bless you
3: all right good morning um, so I am Lyndon Gunther many of you already know who I am and have probably heard me uh, come up here and speak at some point in the past uh, but for the few of you who don't uh, as I said my name is Lyndon Gunther I am a tre- uh, teacher at Treehern Elementary School and I'm going into my seventh year of teaching now, and last time I was up here, I preached on uh, the title of the sermon was called "Lessons from the Classroom." and it uh, it kind of took the, the things that I've learned uh, being out in the classroom and uh, interacting with students and in, in education and made applications to what I see here in church and um, I remember I concluded that sermon by saying, I think next time I'm up here and I'm preaching, I'm going to do a part two, because there was still a lot that, that I felt I wanted to cover. And now I'm up here preaching, and I am not doing Lessons from the Classroom part two. But I am going to take some of those things that, that I've learned and, and at least apply them here today. I know that uh, as for lecturing and for attention span, to sit and listen for 20 minutes straight is about the least effective way of learning. And when I'm sitting here on Sunday mornings, I, I often am tuned in to what is being said, and then I tune out for a little bit, and then I come back in and I tune out. And so if that is, if you are one of those people who are kind of in and out, I've structured the sermon so that I've kind of got key, the kind of the take-home points, I just got them spread throughout the entire sermon. So if you, if you catch the middle section, there's probably something useful you can take away today. And if you catch the first and the last section, there's probably two things you can take away. So I won't be offended. I'm hoping that there's something for everyone here today. Uh, I also know that just simply hearing a message once and not talking about it does not uh, help your brain commit anything to memory. And so there is a discussion piece as part of my uh, part of my take-home notes, I guess, and so at the, at the back of the church beside the offering box, you will find a uh, kind of a question sheet, and I encourage families to take a copy home and, and answer some of the questions with each other or in small groups or bring them tonight and, uh, and talk at the bonfire behind the house, and I encourage you to have some discussion based off what you hear today. So I used to believe that there are no such things as a dumb question. There was no such thing as a dumb question. And as a teacher, on first class of the year, I'd always begin by uh, kind of stating my classroom expectations to my students. And part of that speech, uh, I always included a line. I believe there is no such thing as a stupid question. And I would say this because, what is this? There we go. Uh, I would say this because I do want to encourage questions. I, I don't ever want a student to feel embarrassed or ashamed for not knowing something. And, and I also know that chances are if, if you are thinking of a question, um, probably someone else is thinking of that same question. And so, so I, I fully, fully encourage questions. I have had to change that preamble at the, start of, at the start of the year because being a teacher has taught me that I think there is, there is, in fact, such a thing as a dumb question. And there's apparently many of them. And I've heard them and probably asked a few dumb questions along the way myself. But I do maintain that when someone is genuinely searching for an answer, that then there's no such thing as a dumb question. If you're, if you're out there and you're asking a question, Um, wanting to know, uh, yeah, there's no such thing as a dumb question. You know, I've, how many times, uh, I've been at the front of the classroom and I just finished explaining all the, the instructions on a task and all the steps, everything they need to do and what happens. But as soon as I finish, I say, any questions? Hand shoots up. What are we doing? Or how do we do this? And I don't see that as a dumb question because it is a genuine search for answers. That person is trying to find out what the heck is going on and what we're doing. I think that asking a question, no matter how simple or elementary it may seem, it begins to build understanding. That that question is an invitation to understanding, and it opens up the door to answers. And so the title of today's sermon is The Questions That We Ask." And I was, I was trying to think of what kind of the, the subtitle would be, and it could be uh, the questions we ask and where do we find our answers, or uh, the questions that we ask God and the questions we ask about God. This will certainly be a different message than you've kind of experienced from the pulpit in recent memory, as I won't be exploring a particular passage of the Bible and working our way through. And I'm not um, doing a topical sermon where I just pick up one topic and we, we look at all those references throughout the Bible. Uh, but rather, you're going to kind of join me on a journey that I've taken. Uh, and my hope is, is that you just walk away from here ready to ask questions and discuss answers with your, with your fellow believers in Christ as, as well as those who have yet to come to know him. And so my source of material for today comes from the people around me. Um, I knew I was going to gonna preach on this day, um, kind of in some point in July. And at that time, I was kind of debating between, between this topic and another one uh, on a specific set of, of scripture. And then about the start of August is what I made my decision that, okay, this is, this is the way we're going to go. And so right from then, I started writing down the questions that my kids were asking me, because they constantly ask me uh, questions about God. And, and so all of the questions that, that I list that they've asked were com- completely unprompted. Just, they just happened to ask me, and I made sure to make note of, uh, of that question. And then there's a few questions, uh, as I prepared for the sermon, where I asked a list of people. I, I asked... Uh, people older than me and younger than me and at different walks of life. Uh, And I I asked them, what are your questions that you have? What are the questions that you ask God? Or what are the questions that you have about God? So what are your questions? Yeah, the questions you ask God and the questions you ask about God. And so today we're just going to be examining those questions. uh, The ones that my kids ask. uh, And and some of the answers that I, that I gave. Uh, we won't answer all of them, but we will explore them a little bit. So, Austin is my five-year-old daughter, and she asks questions all, questions all the time. And many of those questions come during bedtime when I'm supposed to be tucking her in, and she's trying to stay up as late as she can, so she asks me questions. And so, at the start of the month, while I was tucking her in, she asked me, is heaven in the sky? Is heaven in the sky? And then a couple of minutes later, she says, how come we can't see Jesus? So these are, these are questions that, that come from a five-year-old level. Is heaven in the sky? And how come we can't see Jesus? And those are great questions. And I want you to think for a moment about what your answer, what, what are your answers to these questions? but then factor in how would you explain that to a five-year-old? How do you take your answer that you, of, yeah, if you were asked that question, how would you answer it? But then how do you explain it in a way that a five-year-old can understand and, and get something out of it? And I think the answers we give to these questions can be very different depending on our audience. Our a- explanation or our answer might change somewhat if we're talking to I mean, a child versus an adult, but also a person who is brand new to the faith and someone who is more experienced in the faith. And so our answers might actually change. It was this spring, actually, when my kids hit me with the question, on the drive to church, where do babies come from? And so we put a pin in that and we answered it on the way home from church about two hours later. But... I've answered this question before and the way I explained it to my kids was much different than the way I explain it to my grade five students as part of their phys ed and health curriculum. And so our answers will change depending on who our audience is. And so to, to question number one, is, is heaven in the sky? Well I have my answer based on my understanding of scripture. And I explained to, to Austin that we often think of heaven as being in the sky. Uh, because the Bible mentions going up or ascending into heaven. In Psalm 139, uh, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. Both Deuteronomy and Romans both have the quote, who who will ascend into heaven? And we know that uh, Jesus, after his time on earth, he ascended into the sky, and and God's voice during Jesus' baptism comes from the clouds. And so we think of heaven as being in the sky. And yet, heaven's not exactly in the sky because we i mean we can get up there we can we fly in planes and and we can see the sky on a bright day a clear day and and we can take images you know from space down to earth and yet we can't go to or kind of see heaven and so heaven is on another plane of existence that we can't see or touch while we're in these bodies and so I did my best to kind of communicate those points to a five-year-old in terms that she could understand and make sense of and, and kind of satisfy that, that question. Then she says, well, how, how come we can't see Jesus? And this is one that Austin's asked on multiple occasions because she, she hears all the time that, that God is everywhere and Jesus is in your heart and, and Jesus hears you when you pray. And, and she asks, well, how come we can't see Jesus? And so, once again, it's a question that you could uh, kind of address from many different angles, um, because there's incredible conversion stories of people who have seen Jesus, right? There's stories of, of Muslims in the Middle East who have had Jesus ministered to them in their dreams. There's stories of abuse survivors or survivors of traumatic experiences that, um, that tell the story of a man who held on to them and kept them safe during their their experience, and then only later, after seeing a picture of Jesus, it's been revealed that that, that was the man, that was the man who held me when, when this traumatic experience was happening. And so, do you explain, well, some people do see Jesus, we, we just don't, Austin, or, I mean, there's many, many stories of people who have seen Jesus, so, so her question is, how come we can't see Jesus? And that's one that I'm going to let you think of. And that one might show up in your, in your questions that you'll find at the back. Then I've got Asher, seven years old. And remember, these questions all unprompted. They're not me poking at them. This is just out of the blue. Asher comes up to me and says, are God and Jesus the same? And I think, I think that, if I can recall, whenever, in our household, if you ever hear the comment, oh, so-and-so is the best at something, so-and-so is the best, you know, I'm, I'm the best basketball player, he's the best video games, uh, the boys always speak up and say, nope, God's the best, and Jesus. <laughs> and and it's always it always comes out like that. And so... Asher asked this question Are God and Jesus the same? So, once again, think about your answer and think about how layered of a question that is and how do you put that in terms a seven year old understands. And so, I explained that, you know, Jesus is God's son, yet fully God. And so, yeah, try to wrap your head around that one. And then I also had to bring the Holy Spirit into the conversation and talk about the Trinity. And so you can see that there's just kind of more and more things piling up, and, and Asher's got a brain that is just you know firing in all cylinders, and he's trying to process everything. And, and so I used a metaphor to, uh, not scripture, but a metaphor to kind of help him understand or make, make some sense of it. And, uh, and actually, I once had a guy uh, from Bible school tell me that using metaphors is the worst way to explain uh, who Jesus is. But, uh, I remember having that conversation with this guy, and I thought, oh, well, maybe that's true, but I think it was actually pretty effective in this case. But so I explained to Asher that uh, water can exist in different forms. It could be a liquid and a solid and a, uh, as ice and a gas as steam. And yet all the m- uh, molecular components are the same, so the substance itself does not change. And yet it looks and performs very differently in each of those forms. Um, And you use water in each of those forms in different ways. So they're all water, and yet we use and experience them uniquely in all three forms. And I just kind of said that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit kind of work in the same way. There's one God, uh, but we see and experience him in different forms. as God the Father? as God the Son? And... And as the Holy Spirit, and each of those have a unique role in our life. And Asher was very content with that answer; he was happy with that. So then Levi, Levi is nine years old, and and uh, one day, once again, I'm getting ready to tuck him into bed, and uh, we we talk about how, you know, God is all powerful and all knowing. And Levi says, well, since God plans everything, then he planned to create Satan. Why did God create Satan? And so, as I work my way up through the ages, it only takes a nine-year-old's question to get, you know, go way beyond my ability to find an answer. and, And that was just him getting started. And so, when Levi asked this question, we kind of began a Bible study together, and we, we found scripture mentioning how Satan and his angels were cast out of heaven, and we explored uh, the passage in Job where Satan and, and God actually have a conversation with each other. And, and what Levi kept coming back to was this point that, that God is all-knowing, and so he, he knows what is, what is going to be. He knows what we're going to do. And this led to questions about, about predestination and, and free will. Because he says, you know, if God knows exactly what we're going to do, then we're all just basically robots programmed to do what, what, what God planned. And so, I mean, he's a bright kid. He was able to put together then that the, the, the tragedies that occur in our world, killings and, and the sin that occurs... Must have been programmed into us, or, and that, that, was, that was planned by God. The purpose of this why I included this in the sermon isn't actually to try to attempt to answer those questions, but rather to, to ask you another one. And that is, how do we answer a question to a new believer? when they ask a question that we ourselves are struggling with. Because so I know that I have an obligation to raise my, my son to, to love the Lord and, and uh, to build up his faith. And so I, I had to help him, help him find an answer that would build up and increase his faith. But how do we do that when we're struggling with the same question? Because that, that question of free will is something that that I s- seem to wrestle with on and off. There's, there's periods of my life where I feel completely at ease with, with my understanding of it. And uh, then all of a sudden it comes back and it's something that I, think I really s- struggle with and, and try to figure out, yeah, I mean, he raised some really good points there and I don't, I don't know that I have the answer for you, son. The the answer that I finally did give is one that someone uh, gave me when when I asked the same question. And that is that perhaps God being an all-knowing and all-in-control God, even of the events that are yet to pass, and my free will or my ability to choose what action I'm going to do those are not mutually exclusive. And so I'll read that again. Perhaps God, being an all-knowing, all-in-control God, and my free will, my ability to choose what what I'm gonna do, perhaps those are not mutually exclusive. So what does mutually exclusive mean? Well, uh, uh, I've heard before you know, can, can God create square circles, or can, can God create circles with corners? Can anyone create circles with corners? I, I think the, the question comes from, if God is all-powerful, then he can do anything, and, and so can he create a circle with corners on it? And the answer is no, because by definition of what a circle is, it, it simply cannot have corners. The, the definition of what a circle is states it can't have a corner, otherwise it changes and is no longer a circle. So a circle and a circle with corners are mutually exclusive. They, they cannot, you cannot have something that is both. It is one or the other, it cannot be both. And so perhaps God being all knowing and all in control and my free will, my ability to choose what action I'm going to do, those are maybe not mutually exclusive. Maybe they are not two opposites, as, as I often want to believe, but rather maybe both can be true. Maybe I do have total free will and choice of what I'm going to do, and I'm not programmed to do it, and maybe God knows exactly what I'm going to do, and he's given me the choice to do it. So that's the answer I gave Levi. If he is anything like me, he's got to revisit that question again and often. So I also want to spend a couple minutes just talking about where do we go for our answers. In the case of my children, and I'm sure those of you that have kids, your children, I mean, they go to their parents. And as a parent, I need to be honest and at times answer, I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I'd like to help you find it. But as we, go, as we grow older, where do we turn for the questions that we ask God and the questions that we ask about God? Well, I think the obvious answer is Scripture. God's Word provides the answer to so many of life's questions. And as I stated when I gave the, the answer to Austin's question, is heaven in the sky... I use scripture as my, as my starting point. And same thing with, with Levi's question about creating Satan. I mean, we went straight to scripture. But there is a warning there, and that is that God's word should be read and then discerned, as in we should read a passage and pray for understanding on what is being said. I think far too many times uh, we see examples of people who who choose what they want to believe and then grab their Bible and look up a, a, a passage to prove what they already believe. And I think of, I mean, I saw this, you know, especially during the course of the pandemic with, with vaccine mandates or, or different things like, I don't know, I see your stance on tattoos or, or maybe what is considered sin or not sin and, and people bust out their Bible and they know exactly what they want to believe and they say, here... There's my proof right there. And then someone else who has a completely opposite stance pulls out that same Bible and flips over to a scripture and says, see, there's my proof right there. And so, yes, I mean, scripture is, is the automatic place we should go for our answers, but we, we can't choose what our answer is going to be and then just search for our proof or, you know, use it as our proving point to hit the other person with. Um, yeah, I, I think that, that discernment and that, that prayer for discernment is so important when we're searching for those answers. Scripture will contain the answers, but needs to be used appropriately. Another place that we go for answers is, is simply straight to God through prayer. Taking your question directly to God may, might, can, can, Will, I think it may give you the answer to the question that you're asking. Pray to him and ask, ask for clarification and, and fast so that your attention can be turned toward the Lord and, and he'll speak to you. Uh, I personally don't fast as often as I should. Um, but I can tell you one case, when, when Dakota and I were young, and we were looking to buy a new vehicle. Um, it, was, it was such a big decision for us as a family. And I was in university, and, and we had a child, and uh, money was tight, to say the least. And, and we're trying to figure out how are we going to, yeah, we, we need a vehicle, and, and what are we going to do about it? And so, in that case, I, I actually fasted and said, Lord, I'm just, I'm not going to eat. Until you give me an answer with perfect clarity. That I can walk and just know exactly what I'm supposed to do. And so that's what I did. And eventually it, it turned out. And I, I just remember, you know, every time I felt hungry, I would just pray that prayer again. And, and what am I supposed to do, Lord? And turn my attention towards God. And, and it, was, it was constantly on my mind until all of a sudden... I just knew what I was supposed to do. And so I could eat, and I went out, and we, we bought the vehicle, and it was good to us for many years, and everything worked out. And I'm not saying that this is the, the way that we approach every decision, but I can say from experience that having a question, that I can't go to my Bible and look in the scriptures, should I buy this car or not? Um, that taking my prayer and just asking God directly, um, he will speak with you. Another place we go for answers is the wisdom of others. God instructs us to fellowship with one another, and he speaks through fellow believers. And so when we have questions, talk to one another and seek counsel from one another and be vulnerable with one another. But, show discernment. What if that other person is struggling with the same question, just like I was with, with Levi's question? Or, or what if that Christian individual that you look up to and, and talk to is, is under heavy attack from the en- enemy and, and experiencing doubts in their faith right when you ask them? Their answers to your questions might reflect that. And so there's, there's numerous people in this church that, that I go to for advice and that I fully trust. But the fact that I fully trust that individual doesn't mean I take their answer and run with it. But rather, I have to show that, that discernment. Also, I mean, Jesus tells us, beware, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And so test what you are being told against the word of God and pray for understanding. That, that discernment piece shows up wherever we go, wherever we ask. And where else do we go for answers? What about when we don't even know where to look in scripture, right? I have a question about the Bible, but a book that's thousands of pages long, I don't know even where to begin my look at times. And what about, uh, you know, I I don't hear God's voice. I don't have someone to ask. Well, if you're the majority of the world, you'll turn to the internet. And I've heard the saying before, don't be Google for God, meaning don't use your computer as your source of material for, for building your theology. And I certainly agree with that. But the reality is that many, many individuals are doing that very thing. And a society which has Google at their fingertips uses Google to search for answers. They type in a question and, oh, I've got my answer, now I know. And so I'm faced with the reality that that we, we here in this building, we do that. Me, preparing for this sermon, was looking for my Bible verses, and so a quick Google search could get me there quickly, and so we do that. And so we have to do it safely. We have to use discernment. And so discernment shows up. Every time we receive an answer uh, to our questions about God, we need to use discernment, and especially while on the Internet, because anybody can write something on the Internet and it will appear as an answer on a Google search. And I actually have a funny story about this. When I was in, gr- uh, I think it was grade 11, it was history class with Mr. Samuels. He wasn't there that day. And so he gave us an assignment of as uh, five or so questions on Canadian history that we had to, had to look up and fill the answers in. And. And uh, the substitute teacher gave it to us for that day, and we just went to the computer lab and were researching these questions. And uh, I'm sure many of us know what wi- Wikipedia is. And for those, those of us who don't know, Wikipedia is kind of a, an online encyclopedia where anybody can edit it. And, and they do a, actually a pretty solid job of when someone edits an article on Wikipedia, you're supposed to list your sources, and so that the, the checkers on Wikipedia can check to make sure that no one's just adding anything. Um, but especially on an article that isn't very popular or, or hit very often, uh, sometimes those articles don't get checked for quite a, a period of time. And so I can make an edit, I could write something on there for everyone to read, and it might be days before anybody picks up on it, catches it. Well, I knew in grade 11 history that even though we were not supposed to use Wikipedia as a source, my classmates were going to do it. And I knew that they would all start at question one, work their way down to question two and three and four and five. So me being the prankster that I was, went straight to question three as soon as I got to the computer lab, opened up Wikipedia, searched for the very thing that was going to be, that appeared in the question, and just started writing. And I did that for question four and question five. And some things were just subtle changes, as in, like, this is mostly true, but you're gonna get the details of the question wrong. And some things were outrageously changed. And one of them was mostly just Lyndon Gunther also appears in the history books during the, the War of 1812, and Lyndon Gunther was the hero. And, and I could just remember. So I, so I did these first few questions. And then I went back and did my work, and just waited for people, like the reactions from the people in the computer lab as they got down to those questions, and, and that was one of my, one of my favorite pranks I think I've ever pulled. <laughs> but it certainly shows the danger that, I mean, my, my class, especially on, I mean, when they start reading that Lyndon Gunther's name appears, they're starting to laugh and wonder what's going on here. When I'm making subtle changes, just dates or times, how incredibly dangerous is that, that anybody can get onto the internet and have someone else read it and take it at, at face value? So, discernment, so important. Um, I will say that a, a website that I have used quite a few times that I do want to recommend is called gotquestions.org. Not God questions, but gotquestions.org. And it's a very useful as a starting point to begin to search for your answers. And so uh, when you log onto the site, um, there's frequently asked questions, uh, but I can just type in something. And so, um, you know, I could type in, What does the Bible say about lying? And then. Um, It'll process, and it'll point out there'll kind of be an article written, and it'll get me the scriptures where lying is spoken about. Um, But not just, you know, here's the scripture, here's the scripture, here's the scripture. But it will provide a summary answer, which means that somebody is taking, uh, you know, this is how I interpret what is being said. And so there is an interpretation there. But it essentially comes out to, you know, it'll give you the, the scriptures and say, in conclusion, lying is a sin that separates us from Christ. We are called as Christians to live our life for Christ and to strive to be more like him. So that's kind of the summary that they'll, they'll give. Like I said, you have to show discernment. Every article you read was written by an imperfect person, and so I would recommend using the Internet as a way of getting you pointed in the right direction of where to search for your answers, But then read those scriptures yourself. Go to God in prayer. Pray for those answers. A final point on that that website, and to to show how prevalent it is and how how people are using it, Uh, it was updated today, I checked. There's over 702,000 unique questions that have been typed up and answered on that site. And... Not to say that, and many of those questions have been clicked on and viewed thousands of times each. So these are probably non-believers and believers alike who are going to the internet to ask questions. So millions of people searching for answers, and, and that's the way that they know to find answers, or that's where they go. Okay, as I look at the time here, I realize that I've got to get start thinking about wrapping up, and I haven't even actually discussed the scripture reading for today. And so the focus of the sermon today was based on the questions that we ask God, and the questions that we ask about God. And so I just, I want to briefly share a challenge that I am currently wrestling with, and I'll leave you with that opportunity to try to answer that question. And like I said before, if, if one person's thinking of a question, chances are it's on someone else's mind as well. And so perhaps it's a question that you faced as well. But the passage in Mark 20 says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, then it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, Believe that you have received it and that it will be yours. Okay, and I read this in conjunction with uh, um, from the book of Matthew. uh, You know, the verse ask and it will be given to you. So, I'm told that I am able to ask, and if I believe without doubt that God will provide, then I will receive. And so my question is, why do so many of my prayers seemingly go unresolved? You know, I've prayed for for specific healings, and I believe in the power of God, and I know the healings that that could occur, and I pray for it, and that specific healing doesn't happen. Or another one, like my kids, my my one son has night terrors at night, and and so at bedtime we we pray for to fall asleep quickly, for a night without any th- any bad dreams, and to sleep right through the night. And then that night, my son wakes up with night terrors. And so, I also know that there, there's there's more scripture involved than just those passages, right? There's uh, pieces about praying that the Lord's will be done and not my own. Um, if, if I'm holding on to any sin in my life, that, that could kind of be preventing, um, you know, my, my, my prayers from being answered. Uh, well, we'll just kind of say it like that for now but I mean, this is, this is a question that I find myself asking and wrestling with from time to time. If, if scripture tells me this, 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 then why, God, are my questions going unanswered? I left that one in the, uh, in the notes that are at the back of the church. So I want you to think about that and to discuss it with each other or find me and discuss it with me. And, uh, yeah, have some discussion on that. So, like I said, there's a homework piece to today's sermon. At the back of the church, you'll find papers for you to take home. The questions are related to today's sermon, and I would like each family or each individual to take one. I think there's about 55 copies printed there. And so take home a set of questions, attempt to answer them, but uh, discuss them with each other, either as a family or in your small group or... Like I said, tonight at my house when we have a church get together, I'm, I'm always fascinated with the question of why do I believe what I believe? Because I think that some of the things that I, I, I hold to be true are just based off of tradition. Because that's just what, like, do I believe it? Because that's what mom and dad told me, the end? Or is it off misunderstanding and I misinterpreted something? Or do I believe it because I have checked it against God's word and prayed for discernment and I truly hold it to be true? And I think that dis- discussing these questions out loud kind of helps check, okay, why, why do I believe that? Why do I take that stance? And am I willing to wiggle my stance after praying for discernment? Um, yeah, I also think with those questions, like I said, I think that if one person asks a question out loud, he's only voicing what many others are already thinking. And so chances are that some of you might have asked some of the same questions that appear on that, that worksheet or, or some of the same questions that I posed up here today. And I think a discussion on those questions could be good for a number of people. And so I look forward to hearing all the discussions that arise thank you
0: our closing song in response is really quite a big statement but like a lot of songs we sing it's kind of aspirational it's what we hope and what we aspire to what we uh, sometimes wish was true and that's song number three sixty six i surrender all even when we don't have all the answers, can we still submit to the will of God? So 366, we'll sing the first three verses and then pause for the benediction.
3: May the strength of God sustain us, may the power of God preserve us, may the hands of God protect us, and may the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen.